Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Avengers, age of Ultron. Garbage, folks. Is it an alligator or a crocodile? I don't know the difference, and at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Look at that. That is a werewolf. <laughs> the creature is wanted for a murder he didn't commit. David Banner is believed to be dead. And he must let the world think that he is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Denny Geek Presents Marvel Standom. I'm Mike Chikini, and with me, for all time and always, say hello to Denny Geek TV editor Alec Pajala, Denny Geek News and Features editor Kirsten Howard, and welcome once again brilliant pop culture writer and Denegy contributor, Joe George. And we're doing something a little different this week. I've been waiting for a long time to dig into the vault of old Marvel TV weirdness. And this time we are hitting the first ever live action Marvel team up ever between the original, and some might say best, Incredible Hulk, and the first ever Thor with the 1987 TV movie, the Incredible Hulk returns. Folks, we're going to have some fun, and I am extremely curious to see what Alec, of all people, thought of this one. <laughs> Should we uh, give folks a little bit of context for the Incredible Hulk TV series first, or do we want to run down the bonkers plot of this uh, TV gem from the late 80s? Well, I'll run down the plot, and then if you want to tell people a little bit about the TV series who might not have seen it um, leading into this movie, then that'd be great. In The Incredible Hulk Returns, we catch up with Dr. David Banner, living under the last name Banyan. He is now working at the Joshua Lambert Research Institute and living happily with a young widow called Maggie Shaw. He has not transformed into the Hulk since he met her and is working on a gamma transponder, a cure for his condition at the Institute. It all goes pear-shaped though, when Banner's former student Donald Blake turns up spinning a wild tale of finding a magical hammer containing the soul of Thor. After summoning him, Banner and Thor get into a scuffle and the police arrive on the scene while the pair flee. A Cajun gang wants to kidnap Banner and the Transponder for reasons, not quite sure, uh, but they are no match for him, so they target his girlfriend instead, kidnapping her in a helicopter. Uh, this all leads to a showdown of Hulk, Blake, and Thor versus the gang, with Banner having sabotaged the Transponder so that it cannot be used for ill. Uh, they rescue Thor and celebrate their victory, uh, but it's clear that Shaw now understands that Banner is the Hulk, and he decides to end his relationship with her, uh, setting out to find another cure for his condition. 
<laughs> I think we need to let people know, uh, especially folks who are, say, under 40, <laughs> what a big deal the Incredible Hulk TV series was in the late 70s and early 80s. This show ran in primetime on CBS for five seasons. Five seasons where it did weekly numbers that would put every single television show of the prestige TV era <laughs> to shame. I don't think it can be overstated just how much if there was one character that was the face of the entire Marvel brand for a period of time, it was the Incredible Hulk. Things have changed dramatically since <laughs> then. Um, but the show was really good. I mean, like, you can tell, you can see some of it in this, you know, in this TV movie. Bill Bixby as David Banner is just such a soulful performance, you know, really the heart of the show. You could see elements of what the basic formula of this TV show was, which was basically, it was the fugitive, but with the Incredible Hulk. So, you know, Alec recently on denigeek.com has been talking uh, quite a bit about his love for procedurals and how it's time for that format to return. The Incredible Hulk was a procedural television series where each week David Banner under an assumed B name uh, <laughs> would go to a new town, get really angry, inadvertently solve problems as the Hulk and then have to leave town. And like, this is a 90 minute version of that. So um, Joe, I feel like you also probably have some <laughs> fond memories of, of the TV series. What else can you, uh, what can else can you tell us here? Yes, Mike, I am old. Thank you for asking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I watched this show constantly as a kid. I haven't watched it since then. This was the first time watching this again. So it was shocking. There was a part while I was rewatching it the other night, um, watching the movie and, you know, uh, Bill Bixby's doing his thing. And I'm like, man, he is the ideal Bruce Banner. I mean, we can get into that, I guess. Um, and then it was like, well, yeah, that probably makes sense because he probably was the first Bruce Banner that I ever encountered. Like, I watched the show before I could read. This was this is what he sounded like and looked like before I could read the comic books that he was in. And it was so great how it kind of like hit those little kid feelings for me. That shot right there where he's starting to turn. Like, I got that six-year-old me sort of, oh, no, here we go. You know, that, that it, it hit me on such a primal level because... Yeah, I, I watched the show as a kid. My parents watched it. I remember, you know, quoting lines that you, you still get people talking the dropping the don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry line, even if they don't know what that's from. And that's just we talk about Marvel domination of culture now. Well, that happened <laughs> again, you know, 20 some odd years ago. Um, I will say I have watched other episodes of this show fairly recently, including the pilot movie, which is fantastic. Like the pilot movie watch the first two-hour Incredible Hulk TV movie, which is sometimes broken up as like two episodes, right? And it feels like, like a high-concept cable TV pitch where it's like, we're going to do the Hulk, but it's going to be like a grounded and really emotional take, and we're going to take elements from like The Fugitive and whatever, and it holds up so well, and you could see why this was picked up to series – and you can kind of see like why people tuned into it. Because again, Bill Bixby is fantastic. 
the concept is like a perfect elevator pitch and Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. I mean, you just, I'm sorry, no CGI creation has ever looked as good as this absurd bodybuilder <laughs> painted green. Like that's the Hulk. Like, and, and the fact that they scale his powers way back for this makes like, obviously it's done for budgetary concerns, but they don't, play around with that they lean into it and i'm so into this kirsty do you have any history with this show at all and alec is this the first time you have been subjected to it no i don't really i have seen a few episodes when i was a kid but i always used got it confused with the littlest hobo <laughs> like i wish i could explain what? why <laughs> i think i thought because in the end he sort of goes to a new town right like just like the little sopo <laughs> when I was a kid. I don't know why I got it confused. I wish I exp could explain how my brain works. I think that makes sense to me because, like, I, I have not seen the show at all. But from what I understood about it, like, obviously I know the don't make me angry meme. I've seen clips from various episodes and I've seen people talking about it. And one of the things that, like, stood out to me was those endings where, like, every episode just ended with him miserable. And like having to like pick up and ship off to yet another location. Yeah, like the Lilith Hobo. Yeah, I think Lilith Hobo kind of checks out. <laughs> I am now determined. I think I am actually going to start like a full-on rewatch of this show. Um, like I could see this as a perfect laundry folding show, like a perfect like comfort show. Folks have been rediscovering, you know, the joys and brilliance of old procedurals like Columbo, for example. I I think we should champion the Incredible Hulk because of all of the weird live action Marvel TV and movie projects that hopefully we will talk about over the course of the next year. The one that I think has aged the best, the one that you don't have to be like a total kind of weirdo like me to really get behind is this show. Uh, and I really want to see if we can kind of get some get some interest in it. That being said, <laughs> the TV movie, The Incredible Hulk Returns, which aired five years after the final episode of The Incredible Hulk, is not necessarily the best example of what this show can do, despite its cool ambitions. Kirsty, I understand that you did a little bit of research into the uh, production history of this one. Oh, yeah, because doing research is my favorite thing in the world. So I'll, I'll, I'll happily go down the Wikipedia rabbit hole and uh, get some facts for you. Uh, the Hulk TV series was produced by MCA Universal, but this film and its sequels were produced by New World because they owned Marvel's concerns at the time. And Star Bill Bixby's own production outfit had taken over the Hulk TV franchise rights from CBS. Uh, Nicholas Career was actually a writer and director on the TV series, and he was chosen to write and direct this movie, uh, while Stan Lee was a consultant. The film was intended to be a backdoor pilot for a Thor TV series that never happened. Um, but Incredible Hulk Returns was still the MCU before the MCU, uh, as it was the first time another Marvel character had appeared in this universe. And Hulk and Thor wouldn't share the screen together until 2012's Avengers. The Incredible Hulk Returns was a major rating success, according to Back Issue magazine. I was unable to clarify if that is indeed a fact. Um, a sequel called 
The Trial of the Incredible Hulk featured the first live action cameo appearance by Stan Lee. Um, but it is not the first cameo appearance by a Marvel creator as Jack Kirby made an uncredited, ca uncredited cameo in a 1979 Incredible Hulk episode called No Escape. That's on my facts. Jack Kirby did something groundbreaking and then Stanley's taking credit for it? I'm shocked. <laughs> when did that happen? A couple things before we get further into this, because there's there's uh, folks are surprisingly passionate in the comments today. Um, <laughs> Nungma was asking where this is streaming. Uh, so the Incredible Hulk Returns and its sequel, The Trial of the Incredible Hulk, which introduces the first live action Daredevil, by the way. And I promise we're going to get to that. Like not today, but we're going to do that in a future episode. Um, <laughs> Those are both on Tubi, which is my favorite streaming service, but that's another story. Uh, and they are not a sponsor of the show, but Tubi, if you're listening. Uh, yeah. So uh, I don't know where this is streaming. Lee, help us out here, bro. Um, last I checked, I know at one point it was on Peacock because this is one of those things, the whole Marvel Universal deal with the Hulk is kind of like weird and, and questionable. So I know at one point, I believe this was streaming on Peacock. I don't know if it's still there. Um, but yeah, we need to find out where it's happening and folks need to start watching this. Let's see, what else have we got here? Lee was asking as well, like why he was David Banner and not Bruce Banner on this oh, show. Oh no, we know why, don't Ooh, we? Yeah, you know, even I know this. <laughs> yes. The network thought that the name Bruce was too gay. I honestly swear to God, I always just assumed it was because the Batman 60s TV series was in such like constant rotation in reruns that I just assumed that, you know, that that was why they didn't want like a Bruce Wayne, like Bruce Banner thing. But Lee says that this is available on Apple TV. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Prime video or voodoo on your Roku device. I think Prime, it's probably paid, right? Folks need to start watching this. It's really, really cool. I don't know if I recommend that you start with The Incredible Hulk Returns. I feel <laughs> like The Incredible Hulk Returns works a little bit better if you are kind of, uh, you know. So I want to go around the horn here. I'm going to start with you, Alec. Uh, as you guys have been talking, I'm getting like this sinking feeling in my stomach because like you're so excited and now like the comments are coming in and people are all hyped. And... Um, I regret to inform you, I hated this. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. I'm sure the original, like the Incredible Hulk TV series is great. Like, I, I Lord knows, as you said, Mike, I appreciate a 45 minute long TV procedural. Oh, but God, this was boring. I was so bored. It was so dumb. Um, I'll say that, like, Part of me, like I, and I did not anticipate this. I thought I was actually going to be pretty into it because as we've discussed frequently of late, like we're all kind of getting a, a little bored with like the slick Marvel green screen style. And I was like really looking forward to something that was all practical, uh, very almost like DIY, had like that old timey spirit of filmmaking within it. Um, and like, sure, it has all that, but it also sucks. <laughs> so like, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, uh, I was not a fan I'll say that it's hard for me to defend this uh, I'm going to later but like this is one of those things like especially for a modern slash younger viewer I can't I can't fight you too hard Alec um, 
wait, wait till you see some of the other stuff on the menu later in the year. Although maybe we'll get maybe we'll get another guest for some of them. So I'm not torturing <laughs> so if you I, if too I much. Upset you guys somehow? Have you decided to just turn Marvel Standom into a vehicle for my torment? <laughs> Yeah, 2022 i feel like that was a vehicle for mike's torment right so <laughs> spotlights on you now alec thirsty how about you i have i have a i have a feeling that we're going to be going from like cold to hot on this one but you know like what what, what were your feelings on this um, perhaps not hot but certainly warm um this is definitely a tv movie that happened uh it's in no way cinematic uh, but it's still fun to watch. Weirdly, I as I was watching it, it did feel like I was watching MST3K without the <laughs> commentary on, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Like when you see something from that time, which is quite cheaply made, and you can almost hear like uh, Crow or Joel or Mike talking over it. But I had fun watching it. Um, I love the way that... Um, David slash Bruce is introduced. Um, he's like the hottest guy alive because <laughs> he just comes on screen and he's like, here's a whole jug of black coffee. <laughs> and that jug of black coffee makes a comeback later. Uh, I've got to say the jug of coffee is my favorite <laughs> character in the movie overall. Uh, I just think that's great. Like if some, if some guy appeared with like a whole jug of black coffee, I'd be like, hi. <laughs> I just be jazzed to see him. So that the movie opened well for me. There was also a line um, where someone said, uh, "This is the '80s. I, I don't know what a good cause is anymore." And I was thinking, "Wow, the more things change, the more they stay the same, right?" Um, I still don't know why the mob were involved in taking Banner's transponder i don't know whether i looked away or missed something hopefully somebody can fill me in on that later um this really does have the core thor vibes as well i really like this version of thor he is just some guy that it feels like some guy they got in off the street really but i like that i like the that they didn't try mm. that hard with Thor and it's really weird to see people throwing the hammer around like it was nothing <laughs> like and it's so small I don't know there's a charm to it is what I'm saying the whole thing's very charming and the actions really quaint like there's um you know when a car flips over it's like the big climax <laughs> like now you know, it's not just Hulk lifting up the back of a car as like a huge <laughs> like that. Like now he would just like pelt it into the stratosphere and it would explode in the sun or something. Um, yeah, it was just charming and I had a good time watching it. I, I already have much more to say. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay, just give me one, one second. Um Kirsty, I'm glad you mentioned the coffee. Like, isn't the whole thing that he has to keep his heart rate down? Like, why is this guy chugging coffee? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> you're right. Like, he's playing with fire. Tempting fate. Yeah. He's like, I keep on turning into this caffeinated rage monster, and I don't get why. <laughs> <laughs> 
he also gets laid more times in this episode than everybody in the MCU combined over the last 15 years of movies and television shows. Bro, he, dude, in, in the first three minutes, he is softly blowing on the nape of a woman's neck. <laughs> David Banner is a whore. Like, this, this, this is horny. <laughs> And the sequel movie brings in Matt Murdock. I haven't watched rewatched that one since a kid, but I can only imagine what's going on there. As Lee points out, he is constantly caffeinated and sexually excited. <laughs> and he's just like, oh God, this whole thing keeps on happening. I don't get it. <laughs> Joe, it's you and me, buddy. Like, this movie ruled. You people are crazy. Like, and I, and I know there's nostalgia talking but I enjoyed this so much. And okay, there are cheesy things and we can address those, but I think this is really well-directed. The the dissolve shot from him showing off the transponder to uh, Banner just standing there by himself, they didn't have to do that on 80s TV movie and it looked great. And then the way that the camera's moving around him as he's giving his monologue, that's way more visual panache than they needed to put into that. And I think there's lots of that, yes, Hulk is just lifting up a car, but come on, it's a real car that's being lifted up. It's a real dude. I mean, I know he's got help, but it's a real dude lifting up a real car. And you can't, like, there's a viscerality to that that I just appreciated. And and, and all of that, none of that felt cheesy to me. Like, I, there is real cheese in this movie, and I don't mean to downplay that. This movie has the most intense racquetball game that I've ever seen in my life. I don't know why they chose to shoot that like that, but that was insane, and yeah, there's that point like three quarters of the way through where it's like, oh, the bad guys are supposed to be Cajun? I did not track that at all. He's <laughs> just like, I got the same Cajun blood as you, and I'm like, what are you talking about, doll man? I don't, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> Yes. Uh, Where is our Tim Thomerson hive? Like, uh, <laughs> oh, he was great though, wasn't he? I mean, he he yes. he nailed it. I, I thought he was great. I okay, Chrissy, you didn't seem to address this, so maybe your kids didn't watch this, but my kids loved. It's a Nickelodeon or Disney show called Good Luck Charlie, and the dad in that is playing Thor in this, and it's it's a perfectly fine kids sitcom that my older kids really loved. Um, and he's so good as Thor. Like he's charming and he's a big himbo and he's doing the Chris Hemsworth thing before Chris Hemsworth did it. And he's so good. Like I thought that, um, that one of the down things, Steve Levitt's Donald Blake is really irritating. He's really bad. But outside of that, I was like, I could totally go for a Thor team-up show just to get more of this Thor. It, uh, it Had I been a Nielsen home in 88 or whatever, I would have totally been re-watching this and writing it in my book to get more of that Thor show. No, this is awesome. You guys are crazy. <laughs> I liked it. No, loved it. That's the only option. No. It's awesome. <laughs> Objectively speaking, I know this is not very good. Okay, like, and it's really, it's not even as good as many episodes of the Incredible Hulk TV series, which were far less flashy and did not feature Hulk, uh, sorry, did not feature Thor or any other supernatural villains, like, at all, ever, 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 okay? But, yes, big nostalgia goggles on for this. 
But more importantly, and as we have kind of seen in recent years, I think it is very important now for superhero media to get weird again. And this is weird. It's low key. It's high concept. It's weird. It's low budget. Like Hulk is a bodybuilder in green paint and wig and looks better than any special effect. Like Thor is not even necessarily a God or an as, or an Asgardian in this, right? Like, is not wearing anything colorful or even a cape is really just dressed like a Viking warrior. And that armor is legit, by the way, like that is like that dude is wearing like metal armor. I just appreciate the weirdness. I appreciate the practical effects. I'm a sucker for any live action superhero thing that features people actually hanging off of a helicopter. Like we get that in the climax of this. There's a great one in the Shazam live action TV, TV series from the late 1970s, which I do not recommend to any casual fans, like only for highly evolved weirdos like me and Joe. Um, <laughs> but there's a terrific sequence where, where like not a stuntman, the dude actually wearing that suit has to bring a helicopter down and it looks amazing. There's a great one in the Spider-Man live action TV series where they're hanging the stuntman like, off of a, off of the bottom of a helicopter, like 800 feet over Los Angeles, and it looks amazing. So, like all of these things, I don't know. I could just watch the highlights of this over and over again, and just appreciate the weirdness of it. But I get that it is not for modern audiences. Alec, I will try not to torture you too much in future episodes. I had a feeling you weren't going to particularly love this. I was. A little disappointed that maybe you didn't kind of <laughs> feel the weirdness a little bit like it's all i'm asking everybody to do is just like embrace the weirdness and also you gotta understand there was nothing else at this time like <laughs> there wasn't even a batman movie when this thing aired folks there was nothing. We were a year removed from Superman for the quest for peace. Like, or not even that. Like, not, like, like that's how that's how desperate we were for superhero media at the time. So, like, we were just happy to have it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't well, think people I, I gotta, understand. I've got to go back to something because Joe was just like, Kirsty, how dare you be me for this Thor? <laughs> this is the perfect Thor. But you gotta understand, I didn't watch this you know, in the 80s. I only just watched it last week. Um, and my 80s Thor was Vincent D'Onofrio in Adventures in Babysitting. And for me, yes. no one was going to top that. So that's my excuse. I'm sorry I was mean to this guy. <laughs> I mean, D'Onofrio's Thor cameo was awesome, especially at the time as a kid. But I mean, that's, you got to understand that the fact that Thor even had a hammer felt like a deep Marvel cut at that time. They were <laughs> the, the, the things that they would give you are such little scraps that you would get so excited that there was some sort of wink to a comic book thing that you knew. Like I, I remember, I didn't watch this when it was aired. I uh, a friend um, had a movie on to the tape with this in the trial of uh, uh, Incredible Hulk, the one with Daredevil, and watching them at the time being really excited that, you know, that Wilson Fisk is in the next one. And that's just insane that regular people would know who the Kingpin is, you know, uh, it's not, uh, not to be 
all when I was your age, but when I was your age, they would give us, they would make Thor shout Odin all of a sudden for no reason. And we would like it because that was, that was them recognizing our hobby and giving it legitimacy. So you got to understand that's as good as it got back then. I will say that even as a kid, I was annoyed with the making, you know, Donald Blake and Thor people that coexist because, because they've done away with this in the comics now too. But like, at one point, you know, Thor was basically like Shazam, where it was like, it's like, you know, you're like this scrawny doctor, you with your walking stick and you hit the walking stick and suddenly you trade places and become Thor with a hammer, right? And here, and I, you know what, the whole like origin story flashback in this, I'm always like, I'm so on board with it. It's like, and I found the tomb of this Viking warrior. And I'm like, this is better than the comics origin, (laughs) right? Like, this is one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, they're really doing it. And then it's like, no, it's, it's meant to be, you know, like a fish out of water slash buddy comedy thing. And the reason they did that was because they were envisioning this as a backdoor pilot for a Thor TV series, which I think at one point was even envisioned as like a, a sitcom, but like you can see in that whole bar sequence with that adorable, like off brand John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown band song, <laughs> like whatever the hell that's supposed to be like during the bar montage, you can kind of see like what this TV show was supposed to be with like the, just like, you know, like the neurotic Dr. Blake and this bumbling goon, like would just you know, blunder into problem solving situations and get in fights every week. Like, I feel like you can kind of see what this was going for there, but the show obviously was never picked up and we were uh, either denied or spared this, depending on your point of view. <laughs> I'm, I was aware of Donald Blake just because of this show. Like I didn't know about Donald Blake before I uh, started doing stand-up. But yeah. So like I, when they said, you're the, you're that guy, Donald Blake, I'm like, that sounds familiar. And then once Thor came in, I got the connection, even if it wasn't comic canon accurate. The, the 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 weird thing about their interactions and why like why they would want to set up like a buddy comedy type thing is that Donald's so mean to him. <laughs> He's so mean. Yeah. And I don't fully understand why. It's like you're the one who like woke this guy up from the dead. And he's doing nothing but like solving all your problems. I don't, I did not get all Thor wants to do is like take Don out, get him drunk, get him laid. Like, so at the end of the at the end of the movie, um, Dr. Shaw says, Doesn't she say, like, I miss Don? Like, when he leaves, like, they interacted, yeah, she does, seconds. And then David says, Well, he certainly knows how to liven up a party. You're like, when? Does he know? Who? <laughs> <laughs> it was something about him. I also love the bit right before then where uh, what's, what's her uh, Shaw or whatever um, her name is, where she catches David and she walks into her backyard and finds David naked with the dog standing next to him, and that's the big reveal that she's been up to something. That shot is so oh, long. Jerry, yeah, there Jerry. it is. That is so, Jerry. you can understand why he's like, let me tell you about the green guy I'm turning into. That's less no, weird I, than what you're I thinking. Actually, I actually had Andrew pull this okay, photograph good. from the movie before it came on because I'm obsessed with this man, right? Like he, he's just like ashamed 
And he's like, okay, you caught me rustling shirtless with the dog. You know, it will happen again. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's just this amazing moment. It's like, you know, it's treated early on, you know, pretty much until that shot, like, you know, David's mysterious past, like it's implied that, you know, she probably thinks that he's like a recovering addict, you know, which is often how this was treated in the show historically, you know, and like, it's almost like, it's almost kind of sensitively handled um, mostly through the, the the genius of Bill Bixby, which as Mo in the comments just said, like Bill Bixby is the MVP and absolutely like Bill Bixby folks, look, we're never going to get a Superman as good as Christopher Reeve ever again. Like maybe we will, but like Christopher Reeve still just remains like when you're on the like Mount Rushmore of superhero performances, but like, honestly, Bill Bixby kind of should be there as, as well. Like it's taking nothing away from Mark Ruffalo at all. But if you watch this show, and again, this movie is not the best representation of what that show was. Bill Bixby is so haunted and soulful as this character and nobody's been able to capture that in the movies like in part because you know they're just not written that way but like people need to kind of rediscover and apparently like Bixby had quite a tv career outside of the Incredible Hulk but this is all I know him from for as much as I hated this and I must remind everybody I did (laughs) I don't have many Bixby, Bixby complaints he is great um, and I was struck by how old he looks. Like, I know they'd been doing the show for a while and they came back for this. Um, I had to look up how old he was. And it, he was, I don't know, like 54, 55, like somewhere around here, early 50s. Um, and it's wild to me just like how we used to let actors appear old. Because <laughs> like, it's like the same age as Paul Rudd in the new Ant-Man movie. He looks, he's 19. Um <laughs> But yeah, Bixby looks like a real adult. And he also, you know, behaves like a real adult as being mm-hmm. as the aforementioned horniness. Um, <laughs> so I feel like that's, that is missing from kind of modern superhero storytelling or like figures who are like well and truly adults. And Bixby does a good job at that. And he was good in this. So I, I'm not mad about that. I'm mad about everything else. I feel bad. I, as usual, I'm ignoring Kirsty's run of show, folks. Oh. I'm just running roughshod over Kirsty's carefully laid plans. Um, have we spoken yeah. enough about the fight scenes between Hulk and Thor yet? I, I think so. I enjoyed those scenes, at least. They're not hugely inspiring. I'll say another nice thing. Something. Oh wow! Maybe I'm coming around. Maybe this is amazing. Maybe I was wrong. <laughs> I had never gotten to experience Lou Ferrigno Hulk outside of like a clip or two here or there. And I truly did not know what to expect from it because the hair is so goofy. And I feel like that's a, that's a real turnoff for me as far as the Hulk goes. And I'm just, as a, you know, as a young boy, a child of the 90s, I'm kind of used to CGI and I can see myself gravitating towards that more than like the practical monsters. Freyno works a lot better than I thought it would. Like it, that's a real thing. Like I, I, I buy it. I was not like taken out of it. I, I literally just the guy slathered up in green paint and a weird wig works. And it's probably to, it's definitely the Freyno's credit that he was able to pull this off because it's such a wild concept for me as a child of the millennium to wrap my head around. But yeah, Freyno Hulk was was better than I thought he would be. So there you go. There's another feather in the Hulk's cap. 
it, it, it's strange that they've been they've been trying so long to figure out how do we make the Hulk look good on the screen, and they nailed it there. It just I, I'm so glad to hear you say that, Alec, because I was wondering how much it was nostalgia glasses that I've rewatching this and like this totally works. Frigno is a special effect. He's huge. This is amazing, and he is so huge. <laughs> look, I don't know that you could paint a guy green, no matter how ripped they are and have them doing the things that they're expected to do in the context of the modern MCU. I think it helps that the story plays to the fact that this is a guy, a big guy painted green. Like he's not bulletproof, right? Like he almost gets taken out by a trank dart. So like mm -hmm. there are rules that this still has to follow that I think kind of helps within that world, you know, like he's strong enough to throw a car maybe, you know, but like, I mean, Ferrigno looks like he could throw a car. <laughs> like, if he told me he could throw a car, I'd be like, whatever you say, bro. Um, but I also <laughs> think, I wonder too, because like, look, Eric Allen Kramer is Thor. is also massive. Like he's mm -hmm. just more like kind of like regular dude, massive, you know, as opposed to absurdly ripped. And then like, like I just saw Creed three, which is fantastic, by the way, we're, I think we're all a little bit numb to just how absurdly jacked everybody in Hollywood is now. Like John Majors, Jonathan Majors in Creed three is like Lou Ferrigno Hulk sized now. In the 80s, like not everybody was like that. We were not kind of like numb to the fact that like the amount of work that it takes to get to be that size and to maintain that size, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, the amount of steroids it takes. <laughs> let's, let's be clear. It's definitely the anabolic steroids, not just the work. Uh, let's say near the end of the movie, um, one of the inexplicably Cajun gangsters um, when they encounter the Hulk they're like they, they say they're initially afraid of him but then he's he says something along the lines of like like you're big but you can be killed just like any other man um, and I'm wondering where he got that confidence from <laughs> like, like even just in the context of that it seems ridiculous because if I came across like a big green creature I don't know that I'd be confident I could kill it but also just in the context of the Hulk that I'm used to from the MCU he is essentially unkillable. Like he was like, like if Thanos couldn't really finish him off, I'm not sure who could. Um, it feels like if he gets to the point of near death, he can just like, I don't know, hibernate or something. He feels completely invulnerable. So the Luf Rigna Hulk is a little bit different from what I'm, I'm used to from a Hulk. Is there anything else nice that you want to say about this? <laughs> I'm good. That's it. <laughs> okay, fair, fair. Totally fair. Kirsty, how about you? What what were your favorite moments in this? I think I've talked about them all, to be fair. Uh, before I want to say probably my one of my top moments, though. Okay, why did the mob want that transponder? I, I'm sorry, it's driving me nuts. Just please put me out of my misery. Why did they want it? Because... Oh, I have it over here. They're bad oh. guys. Oh. Uh, that's why. <laughs> okay. Well, that settles that. <laughs> I'm glad you had a comprehensive answer, Joe. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I was. It's hard to track, but I, I picked up on it. <laughs> the only other favorite moment I haven't talked about is when Donald Blake is trying to get into the building where Banner's working, the Institute, and instead of just, like, knocking on the door or, like, calling up to him at reception and saying, hey, it's me, your old student, Donald Blake, he's, like, got a freaking grappling hook. 
<laughs> and there's this incredible, he's like going to scale the building to get in there with him. It just doesn't make any sense at all. But my favorite moment is when he gets the grappling hook, he pops up like in the shadows with the grappling hook. And he waits for a security guard to walk past, like literally about six inches from him. And the security guard goes past. The guy's barely out of shot before he, he hits the grappling hook. And it goes, makes this incredible like noise. <laughs> I'm just like, you think he can't hear that? Like, he's right there. Um, so that was one of my favorite moments because I, I did laugh. It's unintentional probably, but I did laugh very loud. Joe, what's your favorite moment in this? Oh, gosh. Um, I, honestly, honestly, my favorite moments, no joke, are the transformation scenes. I just, I think those are played really well. They don't wink at it. It's not cheesy. It legitimately feels like, I mean, especially in the context of it's been five years, it feels like a, 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 when I'm watching somebody relapse when that happens. And I don't feel like the contacts are cheesy. I don't feel like I, I just it's not corny at all it legitimately works for me both on Bixby's part and for Igno's part I loved every second of that I mean again there's cheese in this and I, I don't want to take that away but legitimately awesome those all work for me those are my favorite for me it is um it, it's 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 the recapping of the origin story there is just there's a real mystique there you know, they kind of explain why he would be in the Norse wilderness, which like the comics never bothered to do. You know, um, <laughs> I love the finding of the of the tomb moment and like the scary Thor skeleton wearing the armor, you know, and he picks up the hammer. I've just always loved that. Genuinely think it, it's an improvement on the source material in some ways. Um, and then, of course, they diverge in all kinds of in all kinds of weird ways. But just once again, the general vibe of just big weird dudes in real locations doing weird shit is more <laughs> stuff that we need in superhero media today. Like, yes, it can be done better than this, but like there is something to the power of these characters who look completely out of place in reality being in very real settings. In this case, it's like nice houses in Santa Monica, which makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. But like, but that aside, you know, it's like, I'm sorry. Like every time Spider-Man is not in, like is not wearing a costume that wrinkles on a recognizable, recognizable New York City street, it's a missed opportunity and a failure. And it's time for all of these movies to kind of lean into the weirdness of that. And like, that's part of the magic. But yes, it can be done better than this. Uh, and Alec, I promise you, we will not subject you to some of the, um, I mean, this is one of the better ones. Uh, <laughs> like, like, I will not make you join us, Alec, for the uh, Captain America TV movies of the Ooh. 1970s, which are... Like, if you had a tough time with this, my dude, just wait. Uh, <laughs> Speaking of Mystery Science Theater, those star Red Brown, the uh, main character from Space Mutiny. So, yeah, great stuff. And Red Brown, another absolutely massive Jack dude who they just put in spandex. And, like, yeah. actually, to his credit, like, still looked good even wearing spandex. Like, it's not an easy thing to do. So, but... If you have seen the MST3K, MST3K episode in question, 
you know that he's not the most gifted actor of his generation. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I think that is it for one of the stranger episodes of Marvel Stanham that we have ever done. Alec, my apologies, bro. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We have more weirdness coming before we take a little spring break. Kirsty, why don't you tell us what we're doing for our next episode? The next episode is the first edition of Marvel Standard Book Club. And you can join us by reading along Supervillain Team Up, Modox 11. It's on Marvel Unlimited. So if you have a subscription, you can read it there. Or if you have it, you know, a trade paperback, please feel free to read along. And then when you join us next week, you can have fun going through the five issues. And they're very breezy. Uh, so it should be a good read for you if you haven't read it yet. Al Kennedy will be joining us from Explain the X-Men and House to Astonish and Shelf Dust Presents Secret Wars. Uh, he is a terrific. He's also a friend of mine. So, you know, he gets to come on the show. <laughs> yeah, please join us next week and uh, please read the comic. And uh, if you don't, that's OK. We'll explain it. It'll be it'll be fine. I haven't even read the comics yet, but I'm going to. And uh, folks, let us know if you want more kind of offbeat episodes of Marvel Standom like this. Tell us on Twitter or Instagram. We are at Marvel Standom. You can also add us at Denny Geek US on Twitter, and we are at Denny Geek on Twitter, uh, on Instagram. Basically, get at us. Let us know what you want the next one of these to cover, uh, you, you want us to cover. Otherwise, it's just going to be me picking them all the time. Thank you all very much for watching. Don't forget to follow uh, Denegeek US on YouTube and twitch.tv slash TV. We will be doing more live episodes, not just next week, but in the weeks following. Uh, like I said, we are at Marvel Standom on Twitter and Instagram. Drop us a line there. Don't forget, we also have a DC show, so check out DC Standom when you can on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget, we have the brilliant Aaron Strange, uh, Aaron Strange, Aaron Sager, <laughs> the very strange and brilliant Aaron Sagers uh, as the host of Talking Strange our paranormal show so keep an eye on all our channels and see what we've got coming if you came in late you'll be able to watch this entire episode on denegeek.com or at our youtube home denegeek us don't forget you can check out past episodes there and also wherever you get your podcasts thank you to andrew halley the best producer in any corner of the multiverse who we really put through his paces this week special shout out to michael r he makes the podcast version of this show all it can be and once again folks give a warm welcome back to lee parham we are so happy that he's here moderating the comments and he's doing a amazing work for us on TikTok. Follow our TikTok. We are at Denegeek TV there. This has been Marvel Stanham on the Denegeek Network. Folks, thank you for tuning in. Until next time, remember, we stand together.